We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. looking forward to this episode for a while you know it's always fun when you can get the enemy on you get oh. someone who you've uh, sparred with for a decade you've been through the highs and the lows they for sure put you on some disgusting photoshops who knows you know that well, sort of it, stuff it's more fun when you know you've been on the right end of the of the uh, of the rivalry you know what i mean i'm not i'm not going on any cleveland podcast even though the warriors <laughs> have beat them three out of four times no shot but I respect this gentleman for coming on. Anybody that comes on the Warriors podcast as a Houston Rockets fans, you got to really, you got to really love your team, man. You got to really enjoy basketball. I love the game. So I had to get, I had to get our guy Roosh on here, host of Rockets Watch and ESPN correspondent for 95.7 in Houston. Roosh, how you doing, man? I'm good. 97.5. Um, nice I'm good, man. Wow. But <laughs> uh, thank you for having me. Uh, and, Andy, to your point, I do, I do love basketball, so it's all good. Uh, we, we, we'll get into it, man. But yeah, we had some battles, but you know what? There's a mutual respect. At least there's respect from the Rocket side uh, for me for those battles, and and I'm. We'll talk about it. But like, it's cool to see the Warriors still being successful that many years later. You know, you guys definitely outlasted. Houston. So, so I was kind of trying to think about it because Chris Paul is on the one hand, he's 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 obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, you know, stamp top five, whatever point guard of all time. Whenever you think of the position, his name's going to come up. But he's also a guy who's been on like six or seven teams. Like he's kind of a man without a country in some ways. But when I was thinking about him, like technically, I guess he was with the Clippers longer. But the team I will always define him with in my head as the team he came closest and most successful with is the Rockets. It was short lived. You think, short-lived, you think even, yeah. over, even over Phoenix? He got to the finals with Phoenix. That wasn't a real season. Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I agree. <laughs> I mean, they didn't. I'll put it this way. Was it 67 wins they had? I know it was in the high 60s. It was the something Rockets, like the Rockets. Was it 65. 65 and 17. Okay. Mid 60s wins pushed the Warriors more than any team during that run and by far the best team he had been on. Like that team wins a title in, I don't know, 50% of NBA seasons. Uh, I'm sure this is just, you know, 
uh, salt on the wound. Yeah, you're you. really, you're really going <laughs> in there. But like, no, I mean, no, honestly, no, no. look, five years later, dude, on, or four years, I guess, after our last battle, like it's after going through the tank, it's been humbling. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> my, my entire rocket's life, uh, the rocket, or my entire life, the rockets were under 500, maybe like twice or something, like one, one twice in the Francis years or something like that. A few years max. Um, and obviously, since Maury took over uh, 2005, 2006, the Rockets were never under 500. Never. Right. Yeah, they're pretty consistent. So the tank. So it's like going through this is really just it's like we're good. You're not hurting my I've, all those memories have settled. And it, it just is what it is. I will say this. 65 wins. Chris Paul missed 24 games. Um, they lost when, when there was some crazy stat that when Clint Capella, James Harden and Chris Paul shared the court together that season. The Rockets were like 50 and three or some crazy, some crazy shit like that. Um, they, they sat their players for the final two, two or three games of that season. So they could have won a few more hell of a team, man. Chris Paul, that team, him and James Harden were so good for each other on the basketball court that it is, it's just sad and ironic that they were like terrible for each other off the court. And it, honestly, I blame, I don't know if we need to go deep into it, but I blame James Harden more so than Chris Paul. But that's exactly what I was gonna. I was gonna ask you. I, get, I didn't know I was, we we're gonna do this two minutes in, but I, I'm down. I was gonna try to. I was gonna try to. I was gonna try to warm you up. Get like yeah. thirty minutes into it for you to finally admit like you'd have rather kept Chris Paul than James Harden. Oh, but we can go oh, to it right now. We yeah. can do it right now if you'd like. Right now, right now. For it. In hindsight, they, they should have done that. It's just, look, it's become clear. And listen, I'll be James Harden, second best rocket of my lifetime. Tons of respect for what he did for the Rockets. I will always maintain that we should have won that year if CP3 doesn't go down. We didn't. It is what it is. Um, but when James Harden makes his demand to say, like, hey, I'm done, we have enough evidence to know that he means it. And he was he was putting that bug in their ear. And the first whiff they got where he was like, yo, it's either me or CP, which it was after y'all beat us in 2019, he went directly – uh, I believe into Daryl Morey's office and said, yo, it's either him or me. So pick one. And with hindsight, you trade James Harden at peak value, whatever haul you bring back, you still have a pretty damn good Chris Paul uh, to guide those guys along. And we've seen him do it in OKC. Right. Um, I think that would have been the move for sure, especially because James Harden, you know, forced the Rockets to trade Chris Paul plus assets. God damn it. For Russell Westbrook. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then and then he bounced one year later, you know, so absolutely they should have traded Harden. But it, I don't I don't blame them for not doing it because it's like, how do you do that? You know, it's how do you, sure. at, at that point. He was time, a year off of his MVP, um, whatever he was doing at that time, which was just statistical. He just came off dropping 37 a game, dude, for, yeah. for the whole season. You know, like, how do you trade him? So I get it. And he, and he was the face of the franchise in every possible way. I will always say, like, that whole situation just ties into – all right, Harden's more talented than Chris Paul, just in the sense of uh, he's in absurdly talented. But, like, there are guys who are about winning who will do little things and, and just, they're you know, committed to winning. And then there are guys who are just absurdly talented. And, like, if you're going to bet on one, it's going to be guys who are about winning. Yeah. In some ways. And so I, this is my long way of getting this back to the, the whole situation. I don't know how Chris Paul with the Warriors is going to work, but 90% of the reason I'm buying into it working is I think he, I think his pride is, is too big to be the guy who tanks the season over his own personal role. You know what I'm saying? Like he's too much about when, like obviously he wants to start, 
I think they're going to bring him off the bench because it's just obvious in terms That's of position. Right move. Yeah, I mean, it, it also he's like going to be 39 next year. Like he probably should be playing 23 minutes a game and not 35. And I know that's going to be hard for him to get over, but uh, it's a bet on the fact that the guy cares more about winning than, you know, his ego of starting 12,000 games in a row or whatever the hell it's at, right? I guess I want to I want to ask you this. What did you think the first time you saw uh we saw the Warriors again Chris Paul how that was going to work? So, by the way, Andy, we I feel like I boxed you out. I want to let Andy Get his piece in. No, you're, you're good. good. Andy? I do all the time. Yeah, yeah, part of the show. I, I think, I think, yeah. Per- personally, dude, I'm fascinated by this fit, and I'll tell you why. Um, there was, first of all, what you're saying is right. Okay, Chris Paul, he's one of the smartest players I've ever, I've ever seen. I think he's one of the smartest players that the game has ever seen. Right. So he's above. I think he's above the ego and tanking a season over his own ego. So I think you're right. Second, I mean, he just knows how to play, dude. Like he is a, you know, he watches film in his free time, right? There was a game in the 2018 and 19 season in February of that season. James Harden was out. Rockets played, I want to say at Golden State. Um, I'll tell you the exact date. It was February 23rd, 2019. Rockets at Golden State. James Harden's oh, out. I remember, I remember this game. This one James Harden's me. out. And I'm thinking, and like we were in a seeding race. So I'm like, damn, we are not going to win this game. We come out, I'm pretty sure the Warriors, like y'all just came out hot, like you always did. Rockets slowly battled back. It was one, it was either the Rockets came out and like snuffed y'all out and controlled the whole game or vice, vice versa, y'all came out. Can't remember, whatever. But it was Chris Paul and the role players. And the Rockets changed that whole season, the whole two seasons, they were playing that ISO, my turn, your turn stuff, right? And it, they were successful with it. But that game, and this is part of what caused the rift between Harden and CP, CP wanted to play like basketball. He didn't want to do the, the ISO point guard stuff because he was starting to he, he was playing hurt that season. Um, and he was kind of starting to feel like I'm, I'm not that guy anymore. Right. Like we need to play a different way. And so in that game, Chris Paul had 24 points, 17 assists. And the Rockets beat the Warriors by six in Golden State. And it was like a statement because Harden was out and they played like they went from playing Dan Tony, you know, ISO my turn, your turn ball to Phoenix Suns, Dan Tony, like drive, hit the baseline, fill the middle, drop it off, you know, wait for the defender to sag off, kick, attack. Like they, I mean, they were connected and moving. So I I say all that to say Chris Paul knows how to hoop. And the way the Warriors have played basketball, as much as you guys have been our rivals, like the way you hoop, the way your team is hooped is is beautiful basketball. The ball moves, players cut, bodies move. Um, There's that, there's that inevitability of like, okay, here comes the Steph backbreaker three or the clay through two screens contested in your face that just breaks your back or whatever. And then the unpredictability of like, where is it going to come from? Who is going to be the guy who's going to, you know, is right when your, your team is getting momentum, all of a sudden Draymond hits a three that just like changes the game. And it's like, how did that even happen? So Chris Paul inserted into the middle of that. I think there's so much potential once he, once he buys in and understands that like, okay, I'm like the third or fourth guy here. Um, even though I think he's felt that in Phoenix, but like, you guys don't even need him to be a good team. You know, Phoenix needed him for, for 82 games. You guys, for you guys, it's a luxury. You could bring him off the bench and he could just run bench units with a totally different look, get the most out of Stephen Clay. Like there's, I think there's so much potential there. I guess my fear is that the Warriors do need him in that the Warriors only want to win a championship, right? The Warriors technically don't need him to make the postseason. They don't may not need him need him to make the first round, uh, win the first they're, round. That's what they're not hyped season. about getting to the second round either. And you know. it, right, 
But if they want to win a title, they can't win it without Chris Paul. I mean, as current as roster is currently constructed, I guess, you know, kind of going backwards a little bit, you thought that kind of Harden and Chris Paul perfect on the court, but you talked about them maybe not being perfect off the court, which I find fascinating. Um, I wonder, I mean, obviously the Warriors, I think, would rather have uh, Chris Paul over Harden. I think on this team, it's pretty obvious, even though Harden is still somewhat in his prime, feels like the Warriors would still rather have this iteration of Chris Paul. Um, did they just not? Did, was it just kind of a mindset thing? Was it just very much like, uh, Chris Paul, I'm trying to get my workout in at 5 a.m. Meanwhile, Harden's coming back from the club at 5 a.m. type of thing. Or what What, what was kind of the uh, – because when, when Sam – and I asked it this way. I would frame it this way. Because Sam's bought all in on this Chris Paul thing, understanding, assuming that Chris Paul is going to be locked the fuck in with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Lock, same mindset, winning championship, nothing else matters. If that's the case, that'll work, right? Unlike James Harden, who I think most people assume is not of that ilk. So that, that's why I asked that. Yeah, look, James Harden, at that time specifically, again, he was he was on the scoring unguardable tour thing, right? He was dropping 36 36- yeah, he come, came off the MVP season and then started dropping 36.6 or whatever it was. And at that same time, CP got hurt, was playing kind of hurt, started slowing down. So Harden viewed their viewed this as like a huge separation of like, hey, dude, you are not on my level. You're not going to tell me how to play basketball. Like, you can either catch up or get gone. And that was his mentality. And he's shown once he's out, he is out. He's a weird cat. I don't know him personally, but from those who know him that I have spoken with, Harden is Harden, dude. So when Harden makes up his mind, Harden makes up his mind. So I think that their disagreements were more so. Have you seen that clip when I think it's in the playoffs? Maybe I can't remember. It's Harden and CP3 and they're talking on the bench and like CP's saying something. He's putting his hands up and Harden like slaps his hands down. Have you seen that clip? I have seen that clip. It's been a minute since I've seen that clip. But yeah, it's it reminds me of the clips we were seeing of Jordan Poole on the bench where you're just like, Look, man, you can overanalyze it, but what I know is teams who have good chemistry never have clips like that showing up on a regular basis. Well, my, my point was that Harden is, is was just not open to like feedback like that. Chris Paul is a conductor. He's like, a, hey, I, I see the floor. This is what I'm seeing. Like, and he's going to tell you. And a lot of people get turned off by his personality because he's maybe micromanaging or whatever. So I guess what I'm saying is Harden rejected that. And Harden like wholly rejected that. He was like, look, shut up, get out. Right. I don't think Steph and clay are like that. You know, I, maybe, maybe he and Draymond Draymond kind of is though. (laughs) Yeah. Draymond is, but I think that Draymond and CP will have a level of like respect for each other as competitors. And they'll also have a level of respect for each other because they're so, they're so damn smart. Their basketball IQ is, is, you know, elite. So they're going to connect. They're going to, they might, they might tussle. They might get into it, but they're going to have that like, underlying you know respect that i don't think existed with jordan Poole. i agree I, and, and i think draymond and, and draymond's not mvp right james harden at that point in his career was you could argue yeah. best player in the in the league so um I, I i find that relationship so fascinating that that they just couldn't and i, I go back to one final thing for we'll move on to the next one sam they win that championship over the Cavs yeah. easily yeah. Yeah. easily that was a Cavs team that was on fumes they didn't like each other they they were done the season after uh the, the Warriors took care of them and just won every game by like 40 points outside of that bullshit LeBron game one but that that was a yeah I, I don't I mean I guess I sh- don't mean to bring it up Roosh, but you're smiling so you're loving it but that that I mean that that is a that is one that that they should have won they beat every single team except for that Warriors team look 
imagine how many legacies change if that man's hamstring survives 40 seconds of that game five. You know, Mike D'Antoni's cemented and certified. Harden is forever a champion. Not and not only a champion, but he took down KD and the Warriors, you know. Okay. So like uh Chris Paul, champion, would have gotten over the hump. So many things change. Um, but that ain't that ain't how it broke down. But last thing I'll say about it is yeah, so if if the Warriors, which they are all about winning, they have proven this core is all about winning. And you guys accepted KD in and there were no issues, or maybe he had his own issues, but like it worked, right? So I just see Steph and Clay and Draymond having like the hunger for the game, to talk about the game, to learn about CP's brain dissecting the game, that I think it'll work. They're, they're all going to – I don't know. I think it's going to be awesome, like basketball-wise. And I tweeted that when it happened. I think it's going to be awesome. Do you – this is something I haven't asked people too much yet. They're going to bring him off the bench with the, you know, it doesn't matter who starts. It matters, you know, the impact you have on the game. But I think there is this idea that they're going to close with the small ball lineup. I know Andy's skeptical on this. Do you think they can actually close with, um, you know, Steph, CP, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond? Like, I know they're known for their small ball lineup, but their traditional small ball lineup is Steph and a bunch of six, seven dudes. Not, not this. Like, does that, does that lineup concern you? What teams would that concern you against? I guess is, is my question. Cause my, my thought is, they can't ride that lineup the way they used to ride the one with Iguodala and like kind of like Harrison Barnes, KD, like guys just wings with more size. But I still think if you're throwing it out there with two to three minutes left in the game, they can take it home against anyone. Like it can be a lineup that you use, let's say 10 total minutes a game. You're throwing it two, three minutes here in each quarter out there. Yeah. Look, I think the, not to get like, granular about lineups i think the downside broadly speaking and then you could mm -hmm. figure this into the closing lineup the potential downside is that sometimes cp holds on to the ball like sometimes he's overdoing it right he's trying for to wait for the perfect play when he should just give the ball up and move we also got to figure out how much he's going to move off the ball you know guys in your offense don't stand like flat-footed right and he is kind of the balls in his hand or he's flanked out on the wing waiting for it maybe running some like small action whatever so those are the two things. Does he does he hold on to the balls to the extent that he kills like the magic of what your offense has been? Um, and is he able to adjust to that? And then also when he's off the ball, what, what is he doing? You know, is he a catch and shoot threat? Are they running actions with him? Like, what are they doing now? So the question of the lineup. Yeah. A, a big thing about what has made the Warriors the Warriors is just the, the switchability, the flexibility. You know, got a bunch of six, seven dudes, six, eight dudes, whatever, flanking Stephen Clay, Clay, who himself is six, seven. Right. So. Uh, Iguodala, Sean Livingston, Wiggins, uh, Harrison Barnes, like whatever. You guys have cycled these types of guys in. So it might hurt being a little smaller and, and losing some of that versatility, especially because CP's lost a step defensively. Could hurt. Yeah. Man, that'll be that. That's my number one because you bring up IQ, IQ, IQ. I get it. At the end of the day, Chris Paul shorter than I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. The guy's like 5'10. Um, and and, and uh, it's two inches taller, just barely, just <laughs> right there. Eight in shoes, six one. So I'm even, you know, right next to Steph. Me and Steph about to say, nah, Steph is a real six three, I think. Uh, yeah. You about uh, to have to, you about to have to guard Festus and Zaz on the Warriors World Tournament. So you better start working, bro. Yeah, let me grow eight. <laughs> let me grow like a foot and a half. Yeah, let me get there. Can, can uh, I say one thing that yeah. we haven't talked about? Is I think the one of the potential primary or or main beneficiaries of Chris Paul's presence. Can you take a guess? Kuminga. 
Oh, coming. Lack of turnovers is what I'm going to go with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about a specific player. Oh. Uh, Sam, you're going with Kaminga? I will go with – man, you took Kaminga. I will go with – Kaminga is a good one. Um, How about Clay? Kaminga is a good one. So is Clay. I'm going to say Loon. Loon. Loon Wow. Yeah, Kavon Loon. I mean, I feel like CP can – like, you guys don't have any pick-and-roll threat with Kavon Looney. Mm-hmm. And I think CP can actually bring that dimension for when things get a little stagnant or you need to get he can get Looney some hips. I mean, dude, I mean, I'm just saying like CP has always needed. He's always had that chemistry. Right. Anyone that can just screen and roll. And Looney sets good screens. Um, and, you know, he's not like a premier role man, but that's what I'm saying. I think CP can make life a little easier for him. Yeah. Sarge as well. So that that's that's a good kind of two two big man combo um, for 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 CP it, defensively. Is he is he cooked? Possibly, but yeah. he's smart. Like even in Houston, man, he used to do this thing where flop. Well, yeah, he did that, but he would always <laughs> wait for the opposing center or big to get the ball in the elbow and wait for like guys to cut through, and he would cheat off his man, go from the back and rip it, and like he just does these little things throughout the game. Can he do it at this age? I don't know, but it's up here. You just you just watched eighty two games of Jordan Poole play defense. Don't get too picky. I know <laughs> I, that was some of the worst. I just. Uh, <sighs> He did, he just gave up. He Jordan Poole gave up playing basketball. It is a little sad, but uh, that's not that's not what Chris Paul is going to bring. At the very least, the dude is going to be competing one hundred percent because this is it, he's got to know this. This is his last shot at a championship. True last shot. Other than that, like next season, he, let's say he gets bought out, or I mean, let's say the Warriors don't pick up that team option. He's a vetman guy. Like, what is he really? What is he really he's, on he's- on another team? He's got to operate like every season is his last season. He's he's, he's going to be 39 next year. Like you don't know how much. he thinks he's going to play another 4 years and honestly he might but like you can't operate with the idea you got a 4 year window at that age. Um he's going to be 38 to... not 39. No, he's 38 now. Uh he is 30 38. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's going to be 38 this season. Yeah, I was going to say he's going to be 39 next playoffs. That's what we're talking about. Anyway, wait. Picking now we're now we're splitting. Now we're splitting hairs. Picking nits. He's old. He's old. Right. He's old. He's yes. old. Yes. Yes. He has no hamstrings. This week's Light Years podcast brought to you by Game Time. Sam, I was in New York and I wanted to catch my first ever Yankee Stadium game. Went to it last second. The app that I used to buy the tickets was Game Time because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and the best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you will have. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, all the above. The game time guarantee means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, Game time will actually credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without distress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use Light Years, L Y G H T Y E R S, for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create an account and redeem code Light Years for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I want to ask Andy this before, before I get Roosh's opinion on it. Is Chris Paul the number two Warriors villain of this run? 
Number two, like, uh, just kind of like, uh, number one has to be LeBron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, it, run into more times than Is it Chris Ball or is it James Harden? Is it Russell it's Westbrook? Close, it's a close battle, Paul but George? it's Chris Ball. It's Chris is Ball. it John Morant? No. Is it John Morant? <laughs> <laughs> he wishes. But, um... <laughs> Maybe, maybe never. It's got to be Chris Paul because there really is no. I here's how I rank it: when you watch, and it's not just against the Warriors. When you watch him lose in the playoffs, you are. I am so happy every <laughs> single season. I watch Chris Paul lose, and I'm just sitting here with tears in my eyes. It is unbelievable. The only player that surpasses that is obviously LeBron. Right? Obviously, anytime you see LeBron lose as Warriors fans, you're just standing ovation but other than that i think it's chris paul without a doubt without a doubt uh it's been chris paul through the years you've watched him lose on three separate teams and the warriors i mean the warriors couldn't get past them against the clippers remember that they could not get past chris paul until until they did uh and then and then they uh and then the houston series where he was he was pretty hated and then the sun never played him but uh it's gotta be chris paul who else could it be who else could it be if KD uh-huh. stayed in OKC, I mean, yeah, but either, the only either, other case sort of the only other case you could make was Harden, but I, I don't know. The farther I get away from that era, the more I'm like, yeah, Chris Paul was the one who who made that team nasty, gave them teeth, and kind of made it competitive. James Harden's obviously one of the best scorers of all time and incredibly gifted, but like he wasn't the one who scared me. In those games, it was – I always think of the game where he hurt his hamstring. Chris Paul made multiple plays down the stretch of that game that won the game for, for the Rockets. And, then of course, he obviously came up limp after that. Um, and it's just like, you know, I, I think the Warriors would win if Chris Paul didn't get hurt. I can understand why Rockets fans will never believe that. Um, but I have a very hard time imagining Chris Paul is involved in a game where his team goes 0 for 27 from 3. Like he doesn't like it's assert himself in some hey, capacity. Hey, hey, did you forget how the Mavericks disposed of uh, the Suns last year? True. They got straight up embarrassed. Way worse than over 27. At least that was a close game. We were up by 15. And we got screwed because of Jordan Bell uh, moving screens, but regardless. So um look, beautiful. I think it's beautiful. I think it's <laughs> we could we could have that discussion. I'm, I'm oh. cocked and loaded. I'm ready for that one. If you ever want it. Um so many, so many unjustices. That were uh, that occurred during those four quarters, but we're not going to talk about PJ Tucker. Just every play, fucking hack foul every well, time. Do you want me to show you Eric Gordon driving to the rack and Draymond just like forearming him? Do you remember Harden's eyes in two thousand? Let him play. Let him play. Game seven, baby. That's where Warriors come play. Gladiators. Jordan Bell just doing three sixties moving in front of people and just being like, "Oh, <laughs> I was uh, I was I was rewatching a clip the other day and Jordan Bell did his um no it was Kavon Looney actually had a. Uh, it was a pass that came to Steph in the quarter, and uh, Kevon Looney just runs into a guy coming off the screen. I think it might have been Harden. Um, it, it was an obvious moving screen, but the funny part to me is that Harden flies backward like five feet, and I, I almost felt bad, and I was like, you know what? Fuck him. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the guy just flew back like five feet. What are we doing here? Let that one go, and then obviously they let it go. I thought it was great. Also, uh, James Harden, actually, let it be known, he hit a three in continuation. And they called it on the ground. It would have beautiful. It would have broken the O for twenty seven. But you know. I mean, he travels every other play. Come on, man. Oh, so does so does Steph. The, the, the step the step back on the gather that both of those guys do and half the league does used to be a travel seventeen years ago. But regardless, <laughs> regardless, 
the point is, um, I forgot about CP with the Clippers and, the, and that y'all used to go at it when the when Steph and Clay were like younger, right? So I forgot about that. And you're right, CP did give those Rockets teeth. Now, ironically, in 2019, CP was a no-show until Game Six, and we lost Game Six. Um, and Harden, if you actually go back and like look at it, that's one of Harden's best series, but it's forgotten because they lost it. Um, but I mean, he got his. Well, eyes- I mean, he was disgusting in game. Well, disgusting is the wrong word, but he no showed when it mattered in Game Six. I know he had 35 points, but go watch, go watch the fourth quarter. He had right. every crucial turnover, and then he hit a couple bullshit, Beautiful. no contest yeah. threes to get yeah. his stats up at the end. Yeah, I mean, look, he didn't play not, well before that. I will, not, I, I will give you that. He's not built. Harden's not built for that. Like when when it gets tough, Harden's not built for that. He tries to keep it cool. He tries to stick to his game and kind of take it as like, hey, I'm not going to let them dictate me. I'm just going to do my thing. And it's like, no, no, dude, maybe you should force the issue. Please, God. You know, <laughs> never thought of it that way. I just call him a choker, but that's a good way to put it because he does. I mean, what wasn't one of his kind of things after another one of his playoff misses? Wasn't it like, hey, I'm just always going to take that shot. Like, that's the shot. That's my yeah. shot. That step back three is his shot. Yes. Um, and he's just never kind of moved away from that. I mean, with Philly, he took a lot more mid-range jumpers this season I felt like I watched him did some in the playoffs but again we watched them again in game six and seven fall apart against Boston Shit so. the bed Embiid right Embiid's I don't, I don't know I don't know if Embiid should be talking about wanting to leave after that performance he threw up in game seven yeah, yeah. personally yeah. Yeah. I mean <laughs> cut, from the, cut from the same cloth I think we're seeing some of those some it's of those uh things. you know it's like okay Harden wasn't great in game seven but it was very clearly Embiid's team with the whole MVP. And, you know, I'll give Harden credit. He found a way to play his game while clearly deferring to Embiid the whole way. Um, can't be the MVP doing all the things you're doing and have that kind of a no-show in a game seven. Yeah, I mean, look, again, there. I, I mentioned this earlier, but there is an aspect of inevitability with the greats right the ones that will mm-hmm. knock you in the mouth and, and knock you down for good there is an inevitability to them the rockets had that inevitability when chris paul was on the court they were inevitable that that 17 18 season they were they were inevitable cp goes down the rest of history harden never had that inevitability harden like there are moments where you have to step outside of your comfort zone to make things happen you know whether it's like a bull rush and forcing a foul whether it's actually moving off the ball um, whether it's like just, just doing something different. Right. But he wouldn't, he would just do the same old dribble, dribble, boom, boom, step back or do the step through and try to get the foul, you know, and when the game is on the line, you just have to be inevitable. Those things are not inevitable. And that was Harden's, that was Harden's downfall. That's why CP was like, I, CP is one of my favorite Rockets of all time because he was exactly what the Rockets needed. He was a pit bull and they didn't have what well, they had one, but it was like Trevor Ariza and PJ Tucker. They didn't have a pit bull that, that could take the rock. But CP was that. So I feel like Draymond sometimes runs into that. Like you can't have that dude also not be a guy who isn't at least uh, somewhat of an offensive threat or like a scoring player. You have your toughest guy be a role player in some ways. And sometimes the Warriors struggle with that with like Draymond, but he somehow does it his own way. I I, I know what you're saying. You're saying like you needed like someone like that. So let's uh, let's get on on this one. Let's ask on this. How will you know the Chris Paul Warriors thing is going to be successful? Like, what signs are you going to see next season? Or or the flip side, what signs would you need to see next season where you're like, uh-oh, this is going the opposite way? So I'll answer that second question first. 
I think the signs that make you say, uh oh, are if he does the things I was talking about earlier, where he's just over managing, over dribbling, mm-hmm. calling too much. And they're like, hey, dude, we got four titles. Like, give me the fucking ball. Like, watch how we do it. And you fit in. You know, if there's a clash there, that's uh oh. On the flip side, um, I don't think there's one specific thing that will tell you that, hey, this is working. I think it's going to be one of those things that you just know it when you see it, right? Like, the ball is going to be skipping. And it's going to find its way after a drive. It's going to like skip around the, the, the perimeter down low, then a driving kick to CP3 who just relocated for a catch and shoot big three. And it's going to be like, oh, you know, at the Chase Center, Chase Arena, whatever it is. And it's, it's going to be that moment where it's like, oh, shit, this is for real. These guys are dangerous. Um, and so I think it's going to require like that intangible of like the ball. The ball has to move. I think the first thing is the ball has to move. The, a lot of people, a lot of Rockets fans might tell you this. I don't know if y'all ever figured this out. We were built to beat your team with KD. We were not built to beat your team without KD. Yeah. So when KD, and well, I guess you figured that out in 2019. When KD went <laughs> down, because I'll, I'll never forget it. Yeah, when he went down, I was like, oh, my God, is KD for real out? And for a half second, I was like, oh, my God, I think this is our, like, I think this is the year. Like, writing's on the wall. And then after, like, two possessions, I remembered, I was like, oh, no, we can't guard these guys because when KD went out, <laughs> When Katie's out, it's just constant move. Because it was the Katie yeah. when Katie wasn't bought in in 2018, and he was doing this. Hey, I'm gonna try to back down and drive by PJ Tucker, and PJ Tucker's like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna take this from you." Yeah. Every other possession and force him into a weird 18 footer. The Bucks, by the way, our our guy uh, Ben Thompson, he's a Bucks fan, would say like, PJ Tucker didn't do anything for the Bucks except for he was the most important player in baiting KD yep. into losing that net series. Yep. Like he. More than anything, but anyway, getting back to your point. No, that's exactly it. Because you could see the Warriors start to lose it, and it was very much a, uh, you know, remember KD that postseason was averaging like thirty plus points per game, but it wasn't. Look, I'm going to sound like an asshole, but it's like it just wasn't the Warriors' way of scoring, and and that's just not going to work. I mean, it might work. It probably would have worked, honestly. Like, let they probably end up winning anyway, and they win the championship if KD's healthy. But um, they they were heading down a path that I think against the Rockets, it was it was perfect for them. And then once it became the Steph and Clay run around against, uh, you know, three screens coming off and, you know, it works out perfectly. You Okay, you make this point, and I kind of want to compare it to another thing, Sam, before, before I let you go. It's, it's in 2014-15 when Steve Kerr uh, uh, first coached the team and he implemented the, uh, the motion offense. One of the things that I think people didn't realize in the preseason, now I wasn't the guy that said they were going to win a championship. Ethan Strauss was. He watched them in preseason and said, yo, this is a real true title contender. Um, but you watched that team in the preseason and you knew instantly, instantly that they were going to be a very, very good team because they were passing the ball. They were defending. They were making the extra pass to guys. So I think when you say, when you say hey, are they going to make that extra pass? I think that's just it. They didn't make the pass extra pass a single time, a single time last season. Not a sink. Clay didn't. Uh, Poole didn't. Uh, Joe Michael Green definitely didn't. Kaminga didn't. Uh, like none of these guys made the extra pass the year before they did with Otto and Bielitsa. Uh, now is Chris Paul going to be the one that does it? I don't know if I've ever seen Chris Paul play like in a in a motion offense kind of thing. So I'm kind of you know I'm kind of leave that one up to you. You, you think he can? I, obviously, I hope he can. Um, but that that's one thing that I feel like to me it always feels like a. Isn't he kind of just like a pound pick and roll? Let me get that vertical lob threat type of guy. Is he going to be a guy that you said relocate? Is Chris Paul going to relocate? I have no idea. It would be, we, yeah, it would be fascinating to see, you know, if he, if he locks in. Because if he does, I'm with you. That is a, uh, 
I mean, so, that, that's that's another ball handler that, I mean, I mean, come on, right? So nine times out of 10 in these situations, the answer is no, right? I remember when the Rockets got Russell Westbrook. Rockets fans were like, oh, well, if you can just do X, Y, Z, if Russ can just, you know, fill in the bracket with like completely change the way he's played his entire fucking life, if he could just do that, then we're going to succeed. It's hard to do that. But I think Chris Paul could be the exception because I think Chris Paul is so smart that he, I guarantee you, no one knows more than Chris Paul that he's like, damn, I'm a, I'm a pound the rock pick and roll point guard. This is not a pound the rock pick and roll team. Like, how do I fit in here? So it's going to come down to a, does that clash with his like core as a Hooper? Is he like, nah, dude, like I don't do this. I doubt it. Right. For the reasons we've discussed. So I think it's going to be a matter of like, You'll know it's working if Chris Paul, if you just don't really notice Chris Paul, if he's just seamlessly fitting in, not having crazy stat lines, has some nights where he's just dishing, but you just don't notice Chris Paul. He's seamless. The ball gets to him. It doesn't stick because if the ball's in his hand and it sticks, you will notice Chris Paul. And it'll be a thing where it's like tangibly like, yo, he is breaking up the way that these guys have played for years, kind of like KD. And I'll say it again. The Rockets were built for that team. Once he went down, we had no answer. So no, it's it's I mean, to bring this Steph talked about like this year, they didn't have a counter move. They didn't have a he called it a curveball. We didn't have a curveball against the Lakers like we could only really play one way. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what they're looking for. Chris Paul, like they want someone who can fit in, but also can play a different style if they run into a team who can actually slow them down in certain ways, which is not an easy thing to find. Yeah. And I think that's going to be kind of the whole thing they're trying to figure out this year. Like, can, can they, can they split that? Can they kind of find that middle ground of those, of, of those two things? Because like, it, it was true. You watch the Warriors this year. They just kind of devolved to save us Steph ball, which like, I mean, he can do it, but like, as we all know with every team in NBA history, if that's all you got, inevitably you're going to run into a team who can shut that down because a one man show will never win a title. Yeah. So, well, that's – and so back to Kevon Looney. Like, I think he's your best pick-and-roll partner for CP3. I'm not saying you're going to run Looney CP pick-and-rolls down the stretch, but um, I, I think there are ways to get creative. And having a guy who can manage the game in those situations and just manufacture looks for an offense, it will be helpful. I, I just don't think it should be – like, it shouldn't be everything Chris Paul does. He need, for it to be successful, you need to utilize that as, like, kind of Steph said, like a curveball, you know, like a secondary yeah. – kind of thing you throw in there. Uh, but at, the, but at its core, like, you know, he's going to have to fit into warrior ball, which yeah. I just think he can do it, man. And I think it can look really pretty if he does. I mean, you gotta, like you guys have gifted passers. You have Steph, who I think is an underrated passer. Um, and you correct. have Draymond. Sorry. I said, correct. Yes, it is. It's like people never mention him in terms of passers, but he's really good. Um, Draymond. Right. But now you have Chris Paul. I mean, you have three very good Passers, you they, know? they lost a lot with, and you, I mean, you know this, you've seen this, but Andre Godala and Sean Livingston and, and yeah. even like David West type guys and just guys that wouldn't, I mean, Otto Porter was a good passer, AKA like not turn the ball over. And, and last season was just, you saw the, you saw it even when the, when the ball sticks to, to Clay's hands, like that baby's not, it's, if it's not going up, it's not, it's not gonna, it's not, not a good thing. And Jordan well, Poole, obviously, we don't and, we don't need clay pick and rolls like not I, a lot I mean, of them last season. A lot of you know. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. When he's hitting the shot, you know, it's pretty. But like in general, these to not be a 
a steady diet of the offense. I mean, look, when you have Chris Paul on the ball, it allows you to use Steph Curry and Klay Thompson at the same time off the ball. Last season, I don't think you really had that luxury, at least not like consistently reliable. No, Draymond, not at all. Draymond can do some things, but you can't like, you know, it's not going to be point Draymond, right? It, Jordan Poole, I mean, it, it's as simple as this. Yeah. They thought Jordan Poole was going to take a step uh, as an on-ball player, as like a steady ball handler, playmaker to add diversity offense. It just didn't happen. It, it went the opposite way. Uh, it, talented scorer, but he might he might just be a bucket getter. That's it, you know. Yeah. So, but now you have CP. So you have the ball in someone's hands who can both handle it every play if you need. Uh, who can run a pick and roll? Who knows how to make a skip pass? Who's looking? You know, calling action. So whatever it is, right? So you have a, a floor general, and that's one thing the Warriors haven't really had. So we'll see how it works. I'm feeling I'm feeling good about it. Roosh, appreciate you coming on. One last plug, everyone. You're a Rockets fan. All 12 of you who listen to the show, you know, check out Rockets Watch on playback with my guy, and then uh, ESPN. 97.5. That's 97. right. Let me just say before I get out of here, thank uh-huh. you guys. I appreciate it. Shout out to Warriors fans. I anticipate that some of these listeners may may or may not be blocked, and I retroactively apologize <laughs> for that. But, but I just want to say it's over, but you got to appreciate and love the rivalry we had, man. We built a team in a lab to go toe-to-toe with you, and we did, and that doesn't happen that often. It's pretty badass. So It was fun. I, I I'm going to end it on this. As I was thinking about what I want to talk with you about, I started getting super nostalgic because you just can't, you can't fake the feelings of like uh, just the the pressure, the stress, and just like the continue the continuity of those matchups. Like James Harden, how many years in a row? Chris Paul, how many years in a row? PJ Tucker, motherfucker, is always fouling everyone. You know, like it's it's you don't get that you know all the time now. Now Andy and I have to see fucking Gen Z John Morant, and it's just like it's un, yep. it's unserious. I feel yep. too old. It makes me miss the. Yeah. Oh God, don't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> that is, we that pushed is. you. Look, I know we'll get out of here, but we pushed you guys to the fucking brink. No one, no one else did that. So the the three best teams in the the Warriors era that they've played are in no particular order: the uh, 2016 Oklahoma City Thunder, the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers, and the 2018. Uh, Houston Rockets, those three. So um, I go. think it's without a doubt those three. I don't know if I put Toronto in there, no, uh, no. Boston. So I think it's without a doubt those three. So it was, it was definitely those three. Um, all right, we're going to end it there. Roosh, appreciate you. 